today we speak about forgiveness and we look at the parable of the unjust steward as we consider the topic of forgiveness. So if you would take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew's Gospel chapter 18. Normally when we go to chapter 18 there are some explanations about how often I should forgive. Peter was asking the Lord about forgiveness and um, was trying to figure out uh, how often he should forgive. I'm still trying to forgive Duke for beating Kentucky that year when Lakner shot that shot from half court. Uh, that's still in my crawl, and uh, I'm still trying to be a, have a forgiving spirit toward that. And, um, you know, they just stole that game from us. Uh, we had every reason to win and just lost. I don't know about you, but all the teams I've been pulling for in the CAA have lost this year. So uh, I'm just uh, grateful to be on the side of a, of a new team that's going to be up and coming in the future as well. Um, Matthew chapter 18. I want to begin reading in verse 21. For we have here a parable. And uh, parables come long and short. Uh, some parables have one verse, maybe two. Uh, other parables are lengthy stories. But one thing they have in common, each parable tells one story and has one main point. And the main point of the parable we're studying today is forgiveness. Uh, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness not? We're going to look at the dimensions of uh, for forgiveness and some definitions of forgiveness uh, today as well. <clears throat> Will you join me in prayer before we begin? Father, we do thank you for the grace of God that forgives us of our sin. The grace of God that was shed on the cross when the blood of Jesus atoned for the sin of the whole world. For, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to believe and receive this grace. Not to earn it, not to buy it, uh, not to have it handed down to us biologically from generation to generation, but rather to make our own decision, whether we be seven or 70 years old, to ask for forgiveness of our sin and give our life to Christ. We thank you for the word. We pray that the word will speak clearly today, that each of us will be encouraged and challenged, and that we will find courage to be forgiving as we have been forgiven by our Lord and our Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his slaves. And when he began to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that they had, and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground. He prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion, 
and he released him, and he forgave him the debt. But the slave went out, and he found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, or a hundred days' wages. And he seized him, and he began to choke him and say, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling. And he went and he threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, the Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. As we speak about the topic of forgiveness today, I pray that this message will challenge you to have the Spirit of Christ who under His compassion and mercy for you and for me has forgiven us of our sin. And we receive that forgiveness through faith by trusting in the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about some definitions of what forgiveness is because There is much confusion in our day about just what forgiveness is all about. And in order to define it, let's talk about what it is not, and let's talk about what it is. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not, and then we'll talk about what forgiveness is. First of all, forgiveness is not conditional, meaning if you do this, then I will forgive you. That's conditional forgiveness. When Jesus died on the cross, he asked the Father to forgive us of our sin, even though we did not know what we were doing, he said. Father, do not hold them accountable, but instead forgive them, for they know not what they do. Folks, that is called unconditional grace. Unconditional grace. Jesus, in his death on the cross, did not demand one thing of us except that we trust and believe in him for the forgiveness of our sin. And he calls us to have the same spirit, the same attitude of forgiveness to others as well. So first of all, forgiveness is not conditional. Number two, forgiveness, and this gets real, well, down to the nitty-gritty of relationships and where we live and, and how we often mischaracterize forgiveness. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of however you've been offended. Kind of reminds me of a NCAA basketball game after it's over with. This lady went up to the coach and, and um, she just fussed and hollered at him, fussed and hollered at him about he was co- coaching the game. And he said, ma'am, no offense, no offense. She said, well, no defense either. You don't have any defense either. Well, um, what really is forgiveness when we have been offended. Are we to just forget how serious it was? No. Um, 
here's the time where we learn from our mistakes. Because when we have been in a conflict with someone, and invariably you're going to be in conflict with somebody or a group of some people, uh, you just can't go through life and escape the necessity of being in conflict. People have different opinions. People have different ways of looking at the world. Uh, we all look at the world based upon how we have lived our own life. And I have not been in your shoes, and you have not lived in my shoes, and so I don't always understand where you're coming from, and you don't always understand where I'm coming from. And so conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. But forgiveness doesn't say, oh, it was nothing. It, it was just nothing. Uh, that's really a way of sliding forgiveness under the carpet and not dealing with it. And when you slide an offense under the carpet and not deal with it, it's like putting uh, a ball in the, in the pool and trying to hold it under the water. After a while, you're going to let go of it, and bloop, it comes out, and it wants to be dealt with. When you've been hurt, when you've been offended, you want it to be dealt with because it hurts. It's painful. And uh, we do not enjoy pain. We want pain to be relieved. God wants you to be free of it as well. And so there are ways to deal with the pain of being offended. But forgiveness does not say, it does not say, it does not say, oh, that was no big deal. Because whatever conflict we're in, we played some role in that. We played some role in that conflict. And it behooves us to learn how we participated in the conflict that we find ourselves in. Number three, forgiveness is not resuming a relationship without change. Anytime you go through a conflict and you stay in touch with the people that you've had a conflict with, there is a change, a definite change in that relationship. Post-conflict relationships, let me say that again, post-conflict relationships do not go back to where they were prior to the offense. They just don't do that. Instead, post-conflict relationships, people who have worked through it, people who have maintained uh, contact with each other and continue to relate to each other, have a new relationship, a new understanding of where each other is coming from and what contributed to the conflict that we've walked through together. The opposite of that is called cutoff. Cutoff is when you've had an offense with somebody, you've had a conflict with somebody, and you just don't deal with them at all. You just go away. Uh, you move away. Problem is, no matter how far you move, you take the relationship with you. There's no such thing as escaping that conflict or escaping that relationship. So to cut off means I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want anything else to do with you anymore. I will not be uh, uh, seen with, by you anymore or with anybody else. And you just try to go off somewhere and start all over. Problem is you take all that with you. And if you're losing sleep now where you are, if you move away, you're going to lose sleep wherever you move away. The way to avoid cutoff is to say who you are, what you stand for, what your opinion is, but you stay in contact with the person that you're in conflict with. 
You maintain some level of relationship. But you can never go back to the way it used to be. To the way it used to be. Now I'm going to bring up a sensitive topic in my own family's life. We were in conflict with a family in our church. And um, I had to tell this family, I can't be your pastor anymore. Because of the level of conflict, I just had to say, the deacons in the church can be your pastor. Uh, other associates on the staff can be your pastor. But I can't be your pastor anymore. And yet we all came to the same church. And we were all attending the same worship service. And some things we learned there was, we don't have to sit next to that person next Sunday. It's okay to sit across the aisle somewhere else where you don't have to look at them all the time. Hey, folks, the best thing about love is you have to love everybody, but you don't have to like everybody. Did you know that? There's a lot of times you don't like me. I hope you love me all the time. Uh, to love somebody is to be patient. To like somebody is to have an affection for. And there are times that you just don't have that affection for somebody. And you just soon not be reminded of what all the junk you've been through. So sit somewhere else in the church. Sit somewhere else. Don't go to another church. If you go to another church, you've just cut them off. And you haven't uh, forgotten about them. You've taken them with you to the next church. So stay in contact. Stay in the same area. Acknowledge each other. You don't have to hug every time you're together if you've been in conflict with somebody. That's not being real. Oh, I just love you. No, you don't. You can't stand their presence. And you don't really have to shake their hand either. But you do have to act cordial and respectful to each other. And acting cordial and respectful to each other doesn't always mean you have to hug and make up. Sometimes it means... You sit here in the church over here, and you sit way back there in the church over there. And you know what? Sure takes attention out of the room. You, you, you help everybody else in the church get along too. It's amazing. Hey, I've been doing this for 45 years. <laughs> I've seen conflict in all its um, ugliness, but I've seen many times conflict become something beautiful. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, how, how that works. Number four, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. You're not able to forget. You can't forget. You might think you can, but you can't, unless you take a lot of drugs or drink a lot of alcohol. And that's not the way to deal with conflict. That becomes a dependency and a curse even on your life. God is the only one who forgives and forgets. God is the only one that can do that. So let's talk about what forgiveness is. Number one, forgiveness is relinquishing my right to get even. When somebody has done something to you that's been offensive, inside of you there is a cry for justice. And of all things, you think you're the one to bring that justice to bear. And the truth is, God says, uh, do not re have revenge let that be something that I take care of. Romans 12, 19 says, Never avenge yourselves, leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Do you hear about the little girl that's sitting on a 
sitting on a park bench just crying and wailing. And somebody came along and said, young lady, what's wrong? She's just a squirming sitting there and crying and wailing. What's wrong, young lady? What's wrong? And the little girl said, that wasp stung me and I'm sitting on him and I'm going to stay here until he gets everything he deserves. <laughs> well, that's what forgiveness will do to you if you're unforgiving toward other people. You've been hurt and you want to have revenge and you try to get revenge on them and you end up hurting yourself more than you do the other person. Revenge always has a way of backfiring. It really does. It always has a way of backfiring. So trust that God is a God of justice and that justice will be uh, brought to bear on God's timing. Let God take care of those things. That's an act of faith. So forgiveness is an act of faith. It's trusting that God will take care of the justice that your heart demands. Forgiveness is relinquishing my right to get even. And number two, forgiveness is also very hard work. It's hard work. It's, you spend a lot of energy and a lot of time with the people that stay in your brain. You know what I'm talking about. It's the people that you can't go to sleep because they're on your brain. They've done something, something has happened, and you can't let go of it, and they're taking up space in your head. They're taking up space in your brain, and you're losing sleep because of it. And anytime you're losing sleep, you're not productive. And when you're not productive, then you're cheating your employer. So this thing just kind of snowballs as it goes along. So be a person of hard work, especially in marriage relationships. Forgiveness is hard work. Forgiveness is hard work. Who was that guy on uh, the TV show? He said, um, um, uh, he, had, he had that line where he, where he couldn't admit that he was r r r r wrong. Remember that guy? Remember that guy? What was his name? Fonzie. Fonzie never could say he was wrong. And it's hard for spouses to do that. It, it really is. Because we think we like to do everything correctly and uh, nothing to say I'm sorry about. But there's a lot of opportunities to have a better relationship because you're willing to say, I'm sorry, I did not mean to hurt you. Number three, forgiveness is also painful. It can be very painful to forgive someone because the truth is the person who's called on to forgive the other is the one who suffers the most. Jesus took our offenses upon himself and then he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Especially when it is extended to someone who doesn't deserve it or who hasn't earned it, or who even, even may misuse it, it hurts to forgive. It, it does. And, and we need to be able to say, I'm willing to sacrifice some of my, some of my rightness. You know, in relationships, particularly in marriage, we got this thing going where I have to be right all the time. I just have to be right all the time. Well, do you really have to be right all the time? I mean, why can't you be forgiving sometimes? Why can't you say, I've made a mistake? Uh, why can't you have a spirit of, I'm not 
who I want to be yet and pray for me. You know, that, that kind of attitude is I'm a person who's growing and trying to understand you and wanting to love you more. Why can't we have that kind of spirit instead of saying, well, I'm right all the time. It's the need to be right that makes relationships wrong. Forgiveness is painful. Forgiveness is hard work. Forgiveness is relinquishing my right to get even. And forgiveness, listen carefully, costs the one who does the forgiving more than the person being forgiven. Think about Jesus on the cross. He is the ultimate act of forgiveness. His death on the cross was the ultimate payment of our forgiveness. What Jesus paid when he was persecuted, when he was falsely accused, when he was abandoned by friends, when he was struck and smitten until unrecognizable, and then when Jesus was nailed to the cross, all of that was the price that Jesus paid. The price that Jesus paid was a lot more in order to forgive you and me than we have paid. Forgiveness costs the one doing the forgiving. Hebrews says, Be careful that no one of you fails to respond to the grace of God. For if he does, there uh, can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but is also poisoning the lives of many others. Unforgiveness costs even more than forgiveness. So the person forgiving pays a higher price than the one being forgiven. However, unforgiveness costs even more. Forgiveness means accepting the pain of the offense instead of demanding repayment for the wrong done. And that's a definition of forgiveness that we don't really want to land on because we feel like we've already given enough of ourselves, our dignity, our reputation, or whatever in this conflict. But the truth is, forgiveness means that we accept the pain of the offense instead of demanding repayment for the wrong done. There's something in the Old Testament that talks about an eye, an eye, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I think it was Gandhi who said if we practice an eye, an eye for a tooth for a tooth, soon he said the whole world will be blind and toothless. And I think he said it right. So let's talk about some dimensions of forgiveness that we can remember. Remember, number one, how much we've already been forgiven. Now hear this clearly. I didn't come up with this all by myself. I had a lot of help with this one. But it is so true. I have come to learn that you will never have to forgive anybody more and you've already been forgiven by God. Folks, that's the point of the parable. Remember the unjust steward who owed all this money to, the, to his landlord and he couldn't pay? 
And he prostrated himself before the landlord and said, please forgive me. And uh, that guy owned all this money um, to, um, to the landlord, more than he could possibly repay. And the landlord said, I forgive you. And then after he set the guy free, he went and held accountable a friend of his who owed him money that was a small portion of what he owed to the master. And the point is, you will never be asked to forgive somebody else more than you've already been forgiven by God. So when you think, I don't have enough in me to be forgiving toward others, think about how much you've been forgiven by God. Think of how much grace you have received. Let gr grace be like a big package. Costlier than a gallon of gas. Let grace be a big, big old, big old free gift package that God has given you. Now, out of that, out of that basket of grace, you're called on to forgive just a little bit. So don't think too much of yourself that's costing you too much to be forgiving just a little when all the grace of God has covered your own sin. Remember how much you have been forgiven. Paul said in Colossians, Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, or in Christ, God also has forgiven you. Now there is that passage in this Bible here about the unjust steward who was cast into outer darkness because he was unforgiving toward his neighbor. And you say, is there a chance that I'll miss heaven because I've not been forgiving toward others? Yes, there is. Jesus said, as much as you've forgiven others, I have forgiven you. If you cannot forgive others, how can I forgive you? What does he mean by that? Because you have received the grace of God in your life, you have resources to take a little bit out of that basket and forgive somebody else. If you're not willing to take a little bit out of that basket and give it to somebody else and for forgive them, the question is, have you been forgiven to start with? And the truth may be that you've not really accepted the free grace and forgiveness that God offers you. The truth may be that you're trying to go to heaven on your own works. The truth may be that you're trying to get to heaven on your goodness. The truth may be that you feel like your grandparents were Christian, then I must be a Christian. The truth may be that you're relying on somebody else's good deeds and you are a friend to them, therefore if they get into heaven, surely you're doing at least as well as they are, you're going to get into heaven. Compared to others, I'm not doing too bad. All of these are... reasons that we give to not be forgiving toward others. All of these are excuses for simple faith and trust and repentance of our sin so that we can receive this huge grace of God. Have you received the grace of God? Remember, anytime you're asked to forgive, two things will happen. You will either release them or you will become like them.
if you forgive someone, you have released them from what they owe you. If you do not forgive, you become like the person you're in conflict with. Do you really want to be like the person you're in conflict with? I hope not. I hope you want to be the one who has the power to release them from what they owe you so that you can go on and become the person God has made you to be. Someone who only owes gratitude to Almighty God. Father, thank you for this huge gift of forgiveness. We've not earned it. We can't work for it. We didn't get it from our family. We can't even imitate it. And yet, Lord, we have received grace upon grace. More than we need to be forgiven of all our sin. I pray, Father, that whoever we're in conflict with today, we will offer grace. And we will offer mercy. And we will be like Jesus to them and not demand repayment. And that we will leave those issues to God who alone decides justice and righteousness in the last day. Father, I pray for one person here today who's not yet given their life to you, that during this time of invitation, they'll come forward giving their life to Jesus. I pray that today will be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.